Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Sermon Cast from Bethel Evangelical Free Church on Washington Island, Wisconsin. I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. Well, we've been talking this last couple of weeks out of the, the letter of Jude, which is uh, not maybe the one that you've heard so much about, but uh, as we looked last week in particular, it was a lot about problems with uh, false teachers within their midst, and um, there was an examination at a Christian school, and the teacher asked the following question, said, what is false doctrine? And up went a little boy's hand, and came this answer, well, False doctrine is when the doctor gives the wrong stuff to people who are sick. <laughs> well, apparently he got false doctrine messed up with false doctoring, but uh, yet in the process, on some level, he got it right, didn't he? <laughs> that, uh, that giving the wrong medicine to those who are sick is kind of like false doctrine, of telling people that which is not true when they need to hear truth themselves. Uh, there's a card once that said that old fishermen never die, they only smell that way. <laughs> well, and that surely describes false Christianity. It never dies, it only smells that way. Uh, the impact can be great, but good theology, well, it can be great. There was a Peanuts cartoon once, and uh, Linus and, and Lucy are looking out the window, and it's raining and raining and raining, and Lucy says to Linus, boy, look at it rain. Uh, I wonder if it, it will, will it flood the whole world. And, and Linus replies confidently. He's like, it will never do that. In the ninth chapter of Genesis, God promised Noah that it would never happen again. And the sign of the promise is the rainbow. And so Lucy said, he's like, well, you've taken a great load off my mind. <laughs> and so Linus finishes his, well, sound theology has a way of doing that. Taking a lot of things off our mind. That's the difference between sound doctrine and, and false doctrine. Giving us direction and, and helping us to see what is right and what is true, what God is doing within our midst and in our lives. And, and that's what, that was the big concern for Jude. And as Jude writes the letter to a church, he is concerned because false teachers have come and infiltrated them. And he writes this letter. He was going to write a letter talking about encouraging them and their faith. But, but he says, but before I do that, I, this came because I, I need you and I want to encourage you to contend for the faith that has been entrusted to the people of God. And, and uh, as we looked through verses 5 through 19 last week, he, he talks about the dynamics that are involved with that, that, that part of what has happened in their church is something that's not new to God, that false teachers have been part of it from, from the beginning, and God has a response to us. And we talked about, well, tough things that we don't like to talk about, like a judgment and, and the problems with living how, however you want. But those were, were part of Jude's message and part of what God has demonstrated all along, that, that if we take his truth and, and we, have, we, we, we toss it aside, and in, in our beliefs, but also in our actions, there are consequences to that. 
Jude isolates two main things that these false teachers are doing. One, they are, they are exchanging or trading the grace of God for a license for immorality. Uh, taking the grace of God, is, and, and Paul has argued this as well, that, that if God is, is so gracious, then we can do whatever he wants. There's no holds barred, and, and this is stuff that's lived out in many people's lives. And we've made the connection that we sure live in a world today that uh, people choose to do what's right in their own eyes, and, and uh, there's very little moral value or substantive foundation for making choices and decisions. And, and Jude says, not so with you. This is not the way that we live, ethically, morally, spiritually, our connection is with God and living and obeying Him. And absent that, there is judgment. And this is something that is real and, and, and stridently said all through Scripture. Jesus affirms this, that those who reject God's holiness and His authority will forever be subjected from uh, being apart from His presence and uh, scripture calls that hell and, and uh, describes it in all kinds of ways. It's described as, as fire and, and darkness um, and not a good place to be. And so we kind of left last week on a downer. It's like this is tough stuff, but it's tough, tough stuff that we deal with in our community. But that wasn't the end of the letter. And as I mentioned last week, there's some really good stuff that comes at the end, uh, a positive focus of what can we do about this? Because we need to do something. We can't just say, well, it's bad. Because what do you do with it's just bad? Well, you shouldn't do that. Well, if there's bad things, we've got to replace them with something good. When I do premarital counseling with young couples, one of the things we talk about is, is you are going to be your parent. And you, as, you, as you relate with one another as husband and wife, there are things from your growing up years that are just going to be lived out. You will be your parent in some way, shape, or form. And if there's things that you didn't like about how you grew up and the things and the dynamics within your family, you cannot just say, I don't want to do that. But you must also replace that with something and in a very intentional way say, I'm not going to do this and this is what I'm going to do instead. I'm not going to respond by, by, by demeaning my children. So what are you going to do then? If, when they do something wrong, how are you going to do that? You've got to intentionally have something different that you're going to do instead. And, and as Jude finishes up the letter, he's saying, all right, yes, this is the problem and this is the destiny of those who reject God and, and deny the sovereignty and the lordship of our Lord Jesus. So what do we do and how we live? And that's how he ends the letter. If you have your Bibles, if you open up to Jude, uh, there's only one chapter, so uh, just verses 20 to 25 of the letter of Jude. And he writes, again, after the, the listing of the, the different problems of the false teachers. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those, be, be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. And he ends it this way. 
to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. At the end of this letter, I, I see three different areas that, that Jude wants us to focus on in, in how we live this out, what we replace false teaching and its condemnation with. And the first is our and practicing faithfulness in our lives, and the first of them is, is in, our, in the, the practice of our disciplines. What do we do in our own lives and walking our own lives? How do we live it out? And the first of these is, is to work on our own faith, to develop, building up our own faith, that we put some effort into figuring out what this is. How do we build up our faith? This is in contrast to those who are teaching false things. So, so part of it is being attentive to what is right thinking, what is right theology, what is right, how do we do this? How do I stay connected with the Lord? And, and we do that by knowing what is right. Now, in Jude's day, they would not have had the advantages that we do. Uh, many of us here own our own Bible. Uh, most everyone in the family has at least one Bible for themselves, and many families have several of them that they can consult. That is not something they had access to. Jude, writing this letter, gives them what we now have is Scripture, warning them and directing them and guiding them, but uh, that's what they would have had. And they would have heard of the stories and the, and the, the letters and the teachings of Paul, possibly, and, and of Peter. They would have heard the, the apostles' teaching. Uh, there's reference to that. And they would have heard of Jesus and what he did and some of his teaching. But to have the Gospels and have the book of Acts and, and the rest of the writings, they wouldn't have had access to. They wouldn't have had access to the Old Testament regularly, though they would have heard it regularly as they went to synagogue. Uh, most of the early Christians would have been Jewish in their background and so would have been familiar with, with particular passages of Scripture. But they would have done been, they would have done that by listening and hearing the, the rabbis speak about them, by paying attention to them. They would be taught to memorize passages of Scripture so that they could recite them and know them and, and live them out in this world. And, and that's part of Jude's direction for us. Pay attention to what's right. For us, take advantage of what we have. We have the Scriptures. We have those who can comment on it. But part of the deal, too, is we have too much, don't we? There's so many books written about faith and, well, and spirituality. And there's many opportunities for us to have, even within our own libraries, uh, some shade of false teaching. And so for each of us to be attentive enough to be looking at and saying, is this right? Uh, as it describes of the Bereans in Acts chapter 10, uh, the Bereans were of noble character. And when Paul would teach them about how Jesus fulfilled what was talked about in the Hebrew Bible, they went and checked it out to see if that's really what it was saying as he talked about Isaiah and the coming of the Messiah. They, they would look at it and say, is this right? And that's part of Jude's call for the church, for us to be attentive enough to looking at it and asking, is this right? Is this how it's supposed to be. As different people bring things, uh, different notions or ideas, is this right? Is it match what Scripture says? 
to build ourselves up in the faith. Uh, and and the fa- building up of the faith is not just in knowledge, but also in our heart and in our, in our connection with God himself. Because it is more than just knowledge of what this, the book says, but the living it out. Uh, we sang songs about that today. Trust and obey because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus. It is, as we know and discover who he is and his great plans for us. Uh, but to know what that is, what it is that we're, we're trusting. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I, I asked you to, to look in the Gospels and come up with five commands you find in, in the Gospels. What does Jesus command us to do? And, and write them down and, and give them to me. Uh, I was rebuked several times last, this last week because I did not ask for those last Sunday. Um, so I'm going to ask if you if have those still, you could give them to me after the service or put them on the back table and I can have them. I'm going to use those and uh, I think over the summer I'm going to be doing a, a little series on the commands of Jesus and different ways that we can live this out and what the implications are for us. But, but knowing that and, and doing that and it's about knowing God. It's not just knowing about him. And that's this idea of building up our faith. And uh, a second discipline to practice in that is, is praying. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul talks about this as well. That sometimes in our lives we, we're going through such times of lamentation and difficulty. We don't even know what to say. And, and it says in Romans 8 that, that the Spirit interprets our groans to God, that he's able to take this. And, and for us to be connected in the spirit is to recognize we are not in this alone. But there is more to us. There's more to this life than just our knowledge that comes to bear. But the spirit of God is present with us. We're not alone in this. That's one of Jesus' promises to his disciples, that as he leaves, the comforter will come or the encourager will come and guide and direct you as he convicts the world of sin even. The Spirit of God is part of what we rely on. And so as we, as we speak to God, we are, we are lifting up our thoughts, our, our hearts, our, our questions, our confusion to him and asking for him to guide us. And I think praying in the Spirit is, is not just coming with our lists of what we want God to do, but as well to have times where we, in a praying attitude, sit quietly and listen. Because if we believe that God exists and that he can communicate what he's communicated in the scriptures, he can yet speak to us in our spirit as his spirit and our spirit are connected together. To spend time listening. God, what are you calling me to do? What do you, what do you need to show me in my life? And then certainly we take those impressions, recognizing that we can get it wrong and be listening to our own ideas and, and compare that again with Scripture that we know. But certainly to take the time to listen and recognize God speaks with us yet. A uh, third thing is, as part of our disciplines is to keep yourselves in God's love, and, um, which is a little bit different from what he says earlier. In, in verse 1, he says, as after he introduces himself, he says, he's writing to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ. Okay, so if we're kept by Jesus Christ, how do I keep myself? I mean, isn't that God's responsibility? But 
There's kind of a two-way street here, isn't there? That, that part, of, part of us coming to faith is recognizing it's God's work and his spirit and his work in us. But part of it, too, is that we put a little back into it. That as we agree with him, as we come to know him, we stay connected to him. This would have been one of the problems of the false teachers, that as they were promoting their own things and and sometimes promoting it for their own financial gain or the abuse of of things so that they can have power in other things, again, things that we still see in this world today, that there are some who are more concerned about themselves and their authority and their reputation than they are about being faithful to the message of the Lord. For ourselves... Stay connected to God's love, recognizing what he's done and remembering it often. Uh, one of the things we do in the church is we, we celebrate uh, communion as we will next week. And what we do in communion is we remember what's happened on our behalf. Uh, there's two different words for the Lord's Supper, or three different words, the Lord's Supper, and then there's communion, and, and there's the Eucharist. And all of them have some kind of significance about our relationship with God. The Lord's Supper reminding us of when Jesus sat down with his disciples before he was killed. Communion, understanding that, that we are in community with God. And that as we, we spend this time, we are connected with him. We're taking the, the bread and the, and the cup and recognizing his body and his blood. And that he is the head and we are the body. And the Eucharist is... Uh, uh, just the, the transliteration of uh, eucharisto in, in Greek, which is to give thanks. We are giving thanks to what God has done. These are ways that we stay connected and keep ourselves in God's love. And then finally, we're reminded again and again what our hope is. And our hope, as he indicates here, is, is not in this world and this life, but in the hope that we have in the coming life, that God has prepared for us a place. That Jesus goes and he says in, in John 14, that in my Father's house are many rooms and I go to prepare a place for you. That there's something beyond what we live in these physical tents. We look for in an eternal dwelling that's beyond this. Our hope is in that when Jesus returns to set things right, there will be a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem, and things will be made right. And that is ultimately our hope. And so we go through difficulty and hardship, even potentially persecution in this world, and recognize we, we can endure that for the world that's to come. So the first area he directs us in is in our disciplines. A second is, is in our relationships. Uh, that, that as we work on ourselves and our faithfulness to God, but we recognize there's people around us. And, and the picture here is kind of, what's well, kind of like a triage, if you've seen in a, in a war movie or in a mass casualty event where, where so many people are coming in, you've got to make assessments. Okay, what's wrong? What, what does this person need? And, and what's going on in their life? And, and, and there's, there's different types of people with different needs. And, and some of them are those who doubt. And his instructions for those who are doubting, who Again, because of these false teachers that have infiltrated, they, they're being confused a little bit and, and wondering, well, is, is this faith right? And his, his advice to them is to be merciful to them, to, to come alongside them, to be not ta- speaking down to them and making them feel stupid, 
but recognize that uh, they're dealing with some legitimate things and, and, and be there for them as they wrestle with these things. Speaking to them positively about the things that the Lord has shown you and developed in your life and, and the, how you've dealt with those own doubts in your life, uh, but carefully with them and, again, showing mercy. Uh, to others, uh, they need to be snatched out of the fire. Uh, there's some sense of urgency there. Uh, uh, one of the commentators, his, his word picture is that if you're grilling uh, some hamburgers uh, over uh, charcoal or over a fire and, and as you flip it, it lands in the fire and not on the grill, and you, you snatch it right away because if you don't, it will be burned and it will be nasty. And, and uh, So you get it out of there as soon as possible. And, and there's this sense of urgency for those who, who are on the, the threshold of, of recanting or renouncing their faith and, and finding ways to speak into their lives uh, with some kind of urgency. And yet then there's still others yet, um, which probably means those who have, who, have, who have taken steps away and are not part of faith any longer. Again, the recommendation is be merciful to them. Finding ways, probably you're not going to convince them. It's probably going to develop and do an argument with where they're at, but are there ways you can continue to, to, to influence in their lives at the very least of which is to pray for them. And there's people in our lives we know who uh, they're in places which uh, they're, they're going down paths that, that, are, that are away from the Lord. At the very least, we can pray for them. Uh, those words concerning the, uh, the, the, the clothing that is... Uh, that is stained by, by sin, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh, kind of a recommendation as it's mixed with fear that don't think that you can handle this by yourself, that we are all susceptible and, uh, and there are things that other people are dealing with. Uh, we need to back away. There's sin that's in their life. Um, it's possible us, for us to be drawn in. And so uh, mixed with fear, and, and you've heard the phrase maybe uh, love the sinner and hate the sin. And, and so to, to distance ourselves from the actions that are sinful, but even while we still seek to see them come back to faith or come to faith in the first place. And so uh, we, we deal with others as they're struggling with some of the things in this life. So uh, we build ourselves up in, our, in the disciplines we practice. We, we, we reach out and connect with others and, and show mercy to them. And, but then as the, the letter lands, uh, there's this beautiful, beautiful doxology uh, at some of the churches you may have been part of in the past. They may have read Jude 24 and 25 is part of the end of a service because at the end of it, Jude reorients us to what's essential and that it's God himself. That in looking at him, we are recognizing the awesome God who has created us. To him who is able to keep us or to guard us God's power, his majesty, his authority, he is able to keep us from stumbling and falling and to present us faultless. Faultless. Whatever you think about the people around you, you know who you are and you know the faults that you've done in your life. 
But because of the work of Jesus, his power presents us faultless before him. And so we can stand in his presence at the end of time with joy because it's been paid off. Uh, The message that we had with the kids, Jesus took the penalty for us and so we are solid and clean. And so to this one, who has done this on our behalf, recognizing that, to the only God, our Savior, um, and NIV it says, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority. There's a very sense where you could read that instead of, to the only God, our Father, our glory, and majesty, power, and authority. It's not something that he needs to aspire that we like present him with. May, he, may he, that be to him. It is. These are his characteristics. That God himself is glory, meaning his mighty presence. He is majesty, having kingly status. He is power control over the whole world. And he is authority, the authority, the right to rule over all, as the creator of all things, as the God of gods, the Lord of lords. Our worship is through Jesus the Messiah, our Lord, forever and ever. Amen. At the end of this letter, and all the things that the church is dealing with, his orientation is look back to God. Remember what God has done because it is fantastic. Again, that's why we remember communion each month because we say, take time to say, this happened on our behalf. This is what he did for us. And it's awesome. There's a story told of a captain of a Mississippi riverboat who, as his ship was passing by another vessel, he grabbed one of the passengers on the boat and, and takes him to the side and says, you see that boat? Look at that boat over here. You see that boat over there? Look at its captain. And, and the, the passenger's like, chill out, man. What, what, what about the captain? He's like, that captain, one day I was sailing my boat and I, and I hid in another boat. My boat was floundering and I was in the water I, and I'm drowning and, and he moved his boat over and got close enough and dove in the water and he saved my life. That's what's so special about this captain. As he did that, he says, ever since that day, I want to point out my rescuer to others. And so every time he would pass that boat with that captain, he says, that's the guy who saved my life. And that's our life as well. We have been rescued. We have been saved from a destiny far from God, a life that was self-centered and self-oriented to something larger than that. And so we build things in our lives that help us to remember. This captain he probably didn't have something in his, in his daily list of chores like, oh, and thank the captain. No, every time he saw that captain, he remembered, that guy saved my life. And one of the things we try and do and build in our lives is to give us remembrances, point us back to, that's him. 
And so we have crosses in our world and we have different symbols that are meant to remind us. That one saved my life. And I'm going to tell people about it. Because the work he's done in your life has transformed you, has changed you. And it's a great story. And it's a story that others need to hear. As I was preaching this last night, one of my friends gave me a little pushback and, and uh, in comparison with me. He's like, well, I mean, I'm not quite the same personality. How do I, how do, I do that? Or am I just constrained to, to one or the other? And, and, uh, and, and certainly, all of us are different, right? The ways that we express our joy and our, and our joy are different. Uh, um, I'm going to pick on Toby's here a little bit. Dick and Sue are very different people. Dick is a fact guy, and he's a, he's a research guy, and he's like, yes, this is, and, and not that Sue doesn't look at facts and all that, but she, she looks at things entirely different, and you'd hear their stories together. They're, they're very different, and yet both of them find ways to live out their joy in the ways that God has created them. You are different from me and different from the person next to you and behind you and in front of you, but still, your story, your message, your life, our gratefulness to what God has done on our behalf, it comes out of us. There's a story of Paul Little, who... Uh, worked with InterVarsity, and, and he came to faith. He wrote several books, um, how, to, how to Share Your Faith, and uh, some apologetic stories as well. And, but uh, he was kind of a, a crass guy, and, and people would say to him, you know, you're not the nicest guy. <laughs> and he said, you know what, you're right, but she should have seen me before I came to faith. <laughs> as he recognized that he, was, he, would, he could blow up people at any second, and that and, uh, change and transformation happened in his life and it's happened in us and we have a story to tell and how do we do that building ourselves in our faith being grounded in it and strong in it looking out for others and always oriented in our worship of our Lord and our Savior forevermore amen well, let us stand and, and Belu, if you'd bring up uh, verses 24 and 25 again. Let us use this doxology to finish our time. To him who is able to keep you. Read this with me. <laughs> to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.